and here we go. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Your best shout ever. Praise God. Hallelujah. I heard one time that uh, there are three stages to life. Young, middle age, you're looking good. <laughs> Everybody say, Brother Gene, Brother Gene. you're looking mighty good. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hallelujah. Mark's been preaching on uh, owning your 50 feet. And your 50 feet is where your influence is. Your 50 feet is in your home. It's in your jobs where you work. It's on, if you're on an airplane, that airplane's your 50 feet. Wherever you are, that's your 50 feet. And as Christians, we're supposed to own that. I've got a plaque in my office that says, everywhere you go, preach Christ. And if you have to, use words. Our life is speaking louder than the words that we speak. So that means that we have to live what we preach and we have to live what we believe is in the Word of God. What I want to share with you today is how we can be effective in that 50 feet. It's not that just we're in the 50 feet, but we want to be effective. What can we do to make us effective in that 50 feet that we live in? And so that's what I'm going to share with you today. The first thing is you have to recognize who you are in order to be effective. Most Christians don't know who they are. Did you know when you got saved, the Lord Jesus Christ took up residence on the inside of you? God dwells in you. God lives on the inside of you. See, we, we as religious people sometimes, we have the attitude, we've got to pray God down, we've got to get a hold of God, we've got to find God. No, you don't. God's in you. Everywhere you go, God goes. When you get up in the morning, God gets up with you. When you take a bath, God takes a bath. When you go to work, God goes to work. Everything about life revolves around the fact that God is on the inside of you. He's not up in heaven waiting on you to make some kind of special effort that you can break through the barriers and get up and get a hold of God. God is in you. God goes where you go. God is waiting on you to say something to do something, to act in faith, something that he can confirm that he's going to work in your life. So that you have to recognize that. You're a child of God. God's on the inside of you. If, if God is in you, that means you're more than a conqueror. You're somebody special. God is on the inside of you. That means that you can speak things that you don't even know. Did you know the Bible says uh, to us Christians and to everybody that's born again, that though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is getting stronger day by day, day by day. So we Christians don't have to live like the world lives. 
the world lives, you know, on the act. If you're old, you just need to pass away or you just need to give up or, you know, you just need to lay down and die. But God doesn't see us that way. He sees us that on the inside of us there is a new man, a man that is getting younger and stronger every day. And though it, you look up here and you say, there's an old uh, old pooter up there. No, this is a child of God up here. On the inside of me is something powerful, something that's alive, something that knows everything that needs to be known. And it's available to me if I'll just recognize, hey, I'm a child of God. I know God. God's on the inside of me. Hallelujah. If he's on the inside of me, then thank God I've got something powerful. So if you can recognize that. Another thing that about being a child of God is when you got born again, you became an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador of God. That means everywhere you go, you represent heaven. You represent God. When people look at you, they need to see something that speaks to them about what God is, how good God is. That means you can't go around uh, grumbling and complaining and talking about how bad everything is. When you walk into a room, it ought to lighten up a little bit because you've got a spring in your step. You've got a smile on your face. You're ready to say something good. You're ready to lay hands on somebody and pray for them because you care God. Everywhere you go, God goes. So that means there's something powerful on the inside of you. Not only are you an ambassador, but the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that you are called of God. As every man is called of God, so let him walk. There's a call on your life. There's a purpose for you being here. God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1:4, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you, and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. Well, if God did that for Jeremiah, he did that for you before you were ever born. In fact, Psalms 139 confirms that. Before you were ever born, God knew you. God ordained you for a purpose and a plan. There's something God has in store for you that he wants you to do. There's a place where God wants to put you that you can be effective for the kingdom of God. I am important for God. Not only that, but the Bible says very plainly that when you got born again, you became a part of the body of Christ. Now, did you know that in a body, every member is important? You may not think it is, but it is. See, sometimes we look at certain parts of the body and we think, well, that's the important part. No, every member of the body is important. If every member does not function, the body is hampered. It cannot do what God intended it to do. We have to be effective in our place in the body. So if you're an eye, you can see. But did you know, no matter what you see, you know, Mark's our pastor, and Mark's a visionary, and he sees things that he wants to do. And, you know, he goes from one vision to another vision of what God's telling him and the inspiration that he can inspire us to do something. But God cannot get him there without some hands. God cannot get him there without feet. Hands are the people that get it done. Feet are the thing that takes you where you need to go. I believe the feet are the givers. You can't go anywhere with God without money. 
You got to have money. God raises up people and teaches them and helps them to make money. Well, they're making that money for the kingdom of God because God has to take the church where he wants to take it. And he's got to have people that are obedient to what he tells them to do. So the body works together. We're all important. It's not just, you know, people we see in the pulpit and think they're important. Pulpit can't do anything without you. See, we have to have the people. The people have to be effective for God. So if you're in the, if you're in the body of Christ, you have to understand I'm a child of God. I'm important. There's something God has for me. I've got to be alert. It may be today that God wants me to say something, to do something, to act in a certain way. So recognize who you are. I'm a child of God. I'm called of God. I'm called of God. I don't know, I may not have know my full calling, but I know I'm called of God. I know there's something special for me. God's just waiting to put me in a place where I can be effective to help somebody or to do something. I'm a call. I'm a child of God called of God. And then you have to let God put you where he wants you to be. The Bible says that God sets the members in the body, every one of them, as it pleases him. Now, you wouldn't know that if you looked at the church today because the church today is full of people that want to be where they want to be and not where God wants them to be. See, we don't get to choose where God puts us. God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. He's not trying to please me because I don't know what, what does please me. How I many of you know that's true? Sometimes you just think, boy, this would really please me. You're just as stupid as you can be. You don't know what pleases you. God is the one that's trying to please him because God wants you to be effective in the kingdom of God. And if you don't listen to God, you'll mess your life up. You'll think you need to be here when God thinks you ought to be here. You see, one of the things that we see in the kingdom of God today and in the church is people are, are jumping from church to church, from place to place because they're not happy. Did you know there's a purpose for you being in a body? Because that's where you hook on to the body of Christ. And you have to be where God puts you in order to be effective. And if you're not where God puts you, you're just roaming around like a loose wheel somewhere. You're never going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. See, we want to be pleased, and if you don't please me, I'll find a place that does. Well, that's on your way to trouble because God wants you to be in a place where you learn when somebody hurts your feeling, you don't cry like a baby. You receive it like a, a man or a woman of God. Well, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe I do need to change. Maybe I need to do something. Instead of getting your feet, feelings hurt and running off, crying somewhere and finding another place that pets you on the shoulder and talks about how good you are, sometimes you need to be told, straighten up and fly right. You need somebody to tell you. If you're going to live for God, you need to do this. You need to act this way. You need, to, uh, you need to show up on Sunday. You need to do what you need to do. So we have to let God set us in the body as it pleases him. And anytime you're going to be effective for God, 
it's your responsibility to prepare yourself to be effective. You have to prepare yourself. God can't make you do things. You have a free will, but you have to do things that prepare you for the kingdom of God. You have to be the one that does something. And if you don't do it, you know, you know, a lot of times, you know, we've, if we were applying for a natural job, that employer has certain expectations. In other words, if, he, if you've had a field of study, like I majored in accounting in college, and so when I got out, I was getting a job in a, with a CPA firm. Well, that CPA firm had a, a right to expect me to have learned something. I know I'm going to learn a lot when I get on the job, but they have, to, they have a right to expect me to do something to further my benefit to that company. Well, the kingdom of God is the same way. If all you do is get saved and, you know, stumble into church when it's not too cloudy or not raining or, you know, there's no, nothing else to do, you're not benefiting yourself. All you're doing is play-acting a Christian. If you're a real, born-again child of God, there ought to be something on the inside of you that says, I've got to grow up. I've got to study the Bible. I've got to go to church. I've got to be with fellow believers. There are things that are required of me. God has a call on my life. I've got to get ready for that call. I don't know what it is, but I've got to get ready. And then the Bible tells us what we have to do. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required in stewards. You're, all of us are stewards of the gifts and callings of God. We're stewards. It is required that you be found faithful. Faithful means trustworthy and dependable. It's required. If you're a child of God, it's required that you be trustworthy and dependable. People can depend upon you. Required means there's no plan B. There's no other way to go. This is the only way. Now, I went in the Navy when I got out of high school. The only reason I went in the Navy was to go to college. I wanted to go to college. Didn't have any money. And I went in the Navy during the Korean War. And I, got a, I was able to go to college on the GI benefit. So I go to college. The only reason I went to college was to get out. I didn't go to college to play. I wanted to get out. I wanted a job. I wanted to make money. I wanted to do something with my life. Now, at this point, I was not a Christian, but I just had that desire to go to college, to get out, find a job, and, you know, make something of myself. So I found out if you wanted to, you could go to college in three years. You just have to go to summer school. But you have to plan your courses because certain courses are only taught at certain times. So I planned my schedule out. I got me a catalog, and I knew exactly what I was going to do. Three years, I was going to be out of college, and I'm going to get me a job. I'm going to start making money. Well, I get down to my last semester, which is a summer semester, and I get called into the dean's office, and they said, Mr. Evans, we noticed by your transcript that you did not take geography. I said, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to take geography. I, didn't, I was in the Navy. I saw all the geography I wanted. <laughs> and they said, but Mr. Evans, geography is required. Well, yeah, I just didn't want to take geography. 
they said, well, geography is required. Guess what? I had to take geography <laughs> or I'd still be at the University of Alabama trying to get out. It's required. Now, if the Bible says it's required that a steward be found faithful, it won't do you any good to try to come up with another route. You're going to have to be faithful. And according to chapter, Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12, there are three areas where you must prove your faithfulness with God. Number one, you have to be faithful in little things before God will give you bigger things. Number two, you have to be faithful with your money before God will trust you with spiritual things. I'm going to say that again. You have to be faithful with your money before God will trust you with spiritual things. You have to be faithful with your money before God will trust you with spiritual things. You have to, you know, this is so important. We overlook certain things in life and we wonder why can't God work in my life? Well, I'll ask you a question. Are you a tither? Well, the Bible says if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. Well, you don't want to rob God. You don't expect God to put you in some kind of exalted position if you're a God robber. You know, God can't promote you if you're a robber. So it's important that all Christians tithe. That's minimum. It's minimum to be a tither. And then if you want to go further, the Bible says you can give. And if you give, God said, well, I'll just give it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. And then he said, well, if you'll give bountifully, well, I'll just open the windows of heaven, pour blessings out upon you. But he said, I'll make all grace abound towards you so that you always have all sufficiency in all things and you'll abound every good work. Well, praise God, I ought to be a bountiful giver. If I want to go somewhere with God, I don't want to mess with things that are important to God. And he said, you've got to be faithful in your money before he can trust you with spiritual things. And then you have to be faithful in that which is another man's before God can give you that which is your own. God will put you in a place where you work that promotes other people. And you wonder why you don't get any credit. It's because God's growing you up. He can't heap too much credit on you to start with. It'll go to your head. And you'll think you're somebody. But God wants you to know if he doesn't get involved with it, you're nobody. You can't do anything without God. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Nothing. What you do out of your own ability and what you think you're good at is just profiting nothing if God's not involved in it. It's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit on the inside of us that quickens us and gives us abilities to do things for God. So we have to be faithful in those areas. And faithfulness means that it's the only route that we can go because God requires it. And then I believe if we're going to be effective in our 50 feet, there has to be something supernatural about the way we live. I don't believe we can live naturally and be effective in our 50 feet. In fact, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, 
He said, I don't want you to depart from Jerusalem. I don't want you to do anything for me. I don't want you to go out and witness. I don't want you to go out and pray. I don't want you to go out and do anything for me until you be endued with power from on high. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But stay here and wait on that promise. And sometimes we just think we can do anything we want to do, anytime we want to do it, any way we want to do it. No, God's waiting on you to seek him, to get him, to let him guide your life, to let him take hold of your thought patterns and begin to live in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's when you're going to find that you can be effective in the the world. Paul said, and I believe Paul was a pretty good Christian, But he said, when I came to you, I did not come to you preaching and teaching with excellent words of wisdom, man's wisdom. I didn't come to you with man's wisdom, but I came to you in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Well, if Paul had to do that, I believe it's up to us to realize if I'm going to do anything for God, I've got to do it in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Not in my ability, not in what I can do, not in how gifted I am, but what is God telling me to do? What is God leading me to do? What has God anointed me to do? And then you can find that you'll be effective. But in order to be effective in your 50 feet, I believe there ought to be something of the supernatural that begins to operate everywhere we go. Now, I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1969 in the East Gadsden Methodist Church. I was uh, a Methodist baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's kind of an oxymoron. (laughs) But I was there, and my pastor was a great man of God. And one day they announced in the morning service that the boy next door, a little boy about... He was about eight or nine years old. Had been diagnosed with a certain disease and was not expected to live. And they wanted prayer for him. So after the church was over, the scripture jumped up in me. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You know, I'm a Methodist. We didn't lay hands on the sick and have them recover in the Methodist church. But I went to my pastor and I said, Brother Paris, I said, uh, you know, why, why don't we go lay hands on that little boy? And he looked at me and he said, well, if you'll go, I'll go. <laughs> I said, well, I'll go. And we went, he just lived across the street from the Methodist church and a couple of other people, you know, they found out what we were doing and they went, went over there. Now I'm going over there in just that one scripture, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But on the way over there, I'm thinking, we'll lay hands on him and he'll die. If you ever thought that, you know, he'll, he'll probably die. But because I acted, you follow that? You can't go by what your head's saying. You can't go by how you feel when you're natural body. You've got to go by something on the inside of you. You've got to act like God told the truth. You have to act like God can't lie. If God said it, then God meant it, and I'm going to do what God said to do. And when I act on what God says, then God has something to work with. 
And so we walked in. Now, this is a, this is a true testimony. And as soon as we walked in the door, a boldness came on me. And I said to that dying boy laying there, we came over to lay hands on you, and God's going to heal you. Scared me. <laughs> but we laid hands on him. And the next morning, we get a call. He's totally healed. Well, you have to act on the word of God. You can't just hope something will happen. You have to be, uh, you have to be up front with God. If God said it, then you have to act like it's true. Right after that, this is, I was still in the Methodist church. The Presbyterian church heard about uh, this fanatical Methodist. And one day the Presbyterian church called me and said they didn't have a pastor and wanted to know if I'd come over and preach for them one Sunday morning. And I said, well, I can't, I'm not a preacher. And they said, well, just speak for us. So I go over to the Presbyterian church. I didn't know what to preach. But I had just heard somebody say, read a scripture and give an exhortation that healing was included in redemption. Just like you were saved 2,000 years ago, you were healed 2,000 years ago. So I preached to the Presbyterian, healing is included in redemption. And they looked at me like a crazy man. But I preached it anyway. And when I got through, you know, they were nice to me, you know, kind of patting me. You know, kind of strange fellow there. We'll, but he'll, you know, just treat him nice till he leaves. But one of the elders of the Presbyterian church came up to me and, and said, well, I heard what you said. And he said, we've got a little boy that was on a motorcycle wreck and he's in the hospital. And the doctors say that, that he's not expected to live. Would you go pray for him? Well, folks, it's one thing to preach it. But it's another thing to go to the hospital and put it into practice. What I'm trying to get you to see is there are no superhuman beings. There are people that are flesh and blood that need to get a little gumption and realize if God said do it, then if you'll take a step and begin to act, then something supernatural can take place. You do not see the supernatural anointing and, and power and move of the Holy Spirit sitting in your living room watching television. You see it when you get up and begin to act like God can't lie. Well, I was nervous, but I didn't know what to say since I had to preach that sermon. And I said, well, uh, you have elders, don't you? He said, yes. And I said, well, if the elders will meet me up there, we'll pray for him. And I, I was kind of hedging my bed a little bit because <laughs> I, didn't want to get to, I didn't want to pray for him and have him die and think it was my fault. <laughs> but I was, I was going on the scripture is any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up and if he's committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. And so when we got to the hospital, I said to those elders, I said, well, I brought some oil. Now I got some Wesson oil out of the kitchen. That's the only oil I had. But I had some Wesson oil from the kitchen and I met with those elders, and I read that scripture to him, and I said, we're going to go in there and anoint him with oil. And they looked at me like I was a crazy man. But we went in there, elders from the Presbyterian church, and me, an 
a, a nobody in the kingdom of God with a little vial of Western oil and we put it on his head and we prayed a prayer and the next day the boy was out of the hospital healed. Praise God. There has to be something supernatural about the way we witness and we carry ourselves like we have the power of God dwelling on the inside of us. There's something about us that's supernatural. I remember that there was one guy that we had painting our house named, he was called Lucky. He didn't look lucky. He, you know, when he came to knock on the door, he had on his paint clothes and he had on an old hat with paint all over it and had a cigar halfway chewed up in his mouth and he rang the doorbell and I went to the door and I, I told him what I wanted to paint and he turned to go away and I heard down on the inside of me. Now this is what is, is so important. See, we don't live like holy lives where we think everything God says is what God says. But if you don't live close to God realizing God's on the inside of me, you never pick up those little, uh, little hints from God that kind of rises up. See, God's not up in heaven talking to us. God's down in here talking to us. God's down in here whispering to us in a still, small voice that you wonder, was that God or was that not God? There are no guarantees. You'll never serve God with a guarantee that you're always going to be hearing the voice of God. But if you never start, you'll never do anything for God. Because I heard that still, small voice say, pray for Lucky. And I said, Lucky, wait just a minute. I said, God wants me to pray for you. He turned around, looked at me. He took his hat off, threw his cigar down on the floor, and a tear came in his eye, and he said, God wants you to pray for me? I said, yeah, God wants me to pray for you. Now, I have no idea what I prayed. I just laid hands on him and prayed, and I went on my way. 20 years later, 20 years later, 20 years later, we were back at our home church in Gadsden, Alabama. This beautiful lady walked up to me. She said, Brother Gene, you don't know me, but I'm Lucky's daughter. You couldn't be Lucky's daughter. <laughs> I'm Lucky's daughter. She said, I want to thank you for praying for my daddy because he came home that day and took all of us kids and he's around him and said, we're going to start going to church. He said, we started going to church and daddy got saved. Mama got saved and all the kids got saved. And she said, daddy's no longer here, but thank you for praying for my daddy. If you want to be effective for God, there ought to be something supernaturally guiding you that you say something, you do something that affects people in a supernatural way. Now, I was a spirit-filled uh, person in the business world, and that was kind of rare back in those days. But I was in a businessman's prayer group. We met, met every Thursday morning, and I was the only spirit-filled person in there, and they tolerated me. But, you know, they wouldn't let me say anything or do anything because they were afraid that I would speak in tongues, I guess, or do something that was really out of line. And so I went and I would take books. And one of my, one of my favorite books back in those days was uh, 
I forget the name of it, but it was good. Whatever it was. <laughs> it was a good book. <laughs> but uh, on, the, on a Wednesday night, I was praying in the living room, and I had a vision. And in that vision, I saw that prayer group, and I saw the people around the table where they were sitting, and we were in a room where we never had met in this vision. And then I saw that the leader of the prayer group said, we're going to end with prayer, and we're going to start with Jim, and we're going to go around the table and end with Gene. And I thought, I'm, I'm having a vision. I didn't know, it, you know, I didn't know what a vision was. I didn't, wasn't given a vision, but I just saw it clearly. The next day in that prayer room, I walked in. They said, we're not meeting in our regular room. They put us in another room. It was the room I saw in my vision. And there were some guests there, and I saw I had seen that in the vision. And it was a missionary, and they spoke in the prayer room. And then it, when it was over, the leader said, now we're going to end with prayer, sentence prayers, and we're going to start with Jim. We're going to round the table, and we're going to end with Gene. Now, in the vision, I saw when they said we're going to end with Gene, I saw it go around the table, and it got to me. And in the vision, I heard myself say, well, I'm going to give a message in tongues, and we'll wait, and God will give the interpretation. <laughs> well, when it started happening, I don't know if you've ever given a message in tongues where people don't want it or don't know about it or uh, don't understand it, but I just obeyed the vision. When it got to me, I stood up and I said, I'm going to give a message in tongues. And when I'm through, God will give the interpretation. So I closed my eyes, didn't look around. I gave the message in tongues, waited a minute, and God gave me the interpretation. I gave the interpretation. When I opened my eyes, every man in that room was bawling like a baby because the power of God manifests when we obey God. When we obey God, God does supernatural things. God's a supernatural God. God can do things that we can't do. Now, I would like to end today because I, want to lay, I just want to lay hands and commission. One of the great doctrines in the Bible is the laying on of hands. When we ordain people in the ministry, we lay hands on them. In the Bible, when Paul and Silas was going to be sent out, they lay hands on them. They sent them out by laying hands on them. If you really do want to be an effective person in your 50 feet, I'm going to ordain you this morning. I'm going to lay hands on you. Ordain you to go out into your 50 feet and be effective in it in a supernatural way. All I ask of you is you put some effort into it. Don't just hope it'll happen. Do what you need to do. Be effective in your area. Grow up in God. Learn how to pray. Learn how to listen to God on the inside of you. See, the 50 feet is live in regular, ordinary, everyday situations, everyday happenings, everyday a routine. And sometimes we can get so used to the routine we forget that God is there ready to do something supernatural if we'll just listen to him. Listen to what God is doing. I know I was in 
walking through Sears Roebuck, and there was a lady that every time I'd go in there, she had a grin on her face, and she just seemed to be happy in what she was doing. And one day God said, compliment her. I just walked up to her, and I said, ma'am, I just want to compliment you. You're the greatest sales lady I've ever seen. I've never seen anybody so special. You're just wonderful. And she just, you know, she just beamed. I mean, it just made her day. And the next day I was walking by, and God said, give her a scripture. I walked over to it. God wants me to give you a scripture. And when I got through, she said, oh, you don't know how that changed my day. That made my day. And then I started talking to her. I said, let me pray for you. And boy, she was ready for prayer. And I prayed for her. See, God has people out there everywhere you go that's just waiting on somebody to smile or to say, man, you're good looking. You're looking good. <laughs> Hallelujah. It doesn't take a lot of effort to compliment people, to be a good friend, to be a smiler, to be somebody that says, can I help you? Can I do this for you? That's what it means to be a Christian. If you want to be really, I'm not talking about just anybody who wants to come up. If you want to put some effort in your 50 feet, I want to ordain you. Come up here. I'm just going to lay hands on you quickly. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 